Hey, we got an awesome treat for you leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, we're going to talk to one of the great legends of the Canadian Football League and a former Super Bowl champion, talking about the one and only former Toronto Argonaut. Joe Theismann will join us coming up. It's a great conversation about his time in Toronto, uh, how he absolutely drove Don Shula nuts when he decided to join the Argos. And also, uh, we'll look ahead to Super Bowl Sunday as well and where he puts Tom Brady amongst the all-time greatest players in league history. And we are joined by one of the great rock stars, not only in Canadian Football League history, but also NFL history as well. We're talking about a Super Bowl champion, NFL MVP, and former Toronto Argo, yes, former boatman, Joe Theismann. Joe, welcome to the Waggle. Good morning. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, can you set the record straight for me here? And I think a lot of people don't know this, but I, I thought this was interesting when I stumbled across this online, but is your name actually pronounced Theismann? <laughs> Actually, it was for some 20 years of my life. It was, uh, you know, I was Joey Thiesman growing up. And, of course, everybody in Jersey's got a Y at the end of their name. You know, Donnie, <laughs> yeah. Joey, Bobby, Tommy. You know, we all, we all have a Y or an I. I mean, that was the way it was going to be when we were kids growing up. Uh, but actually, it was the beginning of my senior year. Um, our sports information director, Roger Valdeseri, called me in the office. He said, how do you pronounce your last name? And I said, it's Thiesman. He said, no, it's not. It's Thiesman. I said, no, it's not. It's Thiesman. He said, no, Joe, you don't understand. It's Thiesman. I said, give me the phone. So I picked up the phone. I actually called my dad back home in Jersey. He had my dad on the phone. I said, Pop, got a question for you. My father used to have a great saying. It was, fire away, son. So I said, Dad, how do you pronounce our last name? And there's this pregnant pause on the phone. And my dad comes on. He says, son, are you okay? I mean, you don't know how to pronounce your last name. What are you doing there in college? I finally said, Dad, look, I'm fine. Just I'll explain it later. How do you pronounce our last name? He said, Thiesman. So I hung the phone up, turned to Mr. Valdeseri. I said, Raj, my last name is Thiesman. I know I just got phone my dad. He said, Joe, I want to tell you something. There's a trophy out there called the Heisman Trophy. It goes the best college football player in the country. We think you have a chance to win that trophy. But we're not just going to count on your athletic ability nor the reputation of the University of Notre Dame. We think by just simply changing the pronunciation of your last name from Thiesman to Thiesman to rhyme with Heisman, we can get you that trophy. And that's how I became Joe Theismann, and I've kept that name since, you know, for the last, what, 46 years? Uh, I've been Joe Theismann. And it's funny, I get back I get back home in Jersey every now and then, and it's always, hey, Joey Theismann's here. How are you? Hey, Joey Theismann's here. So it's, you know, you can take the kid out of Jersey, but you can't take the Jersey out of the kid. It's it's funny, so, 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 when, you go, so when you go home, it's like this one part of the world, this tiny little part of the world that knows you as Thiesman, where the rest of the entire planet knows you as Thiesman the Heisman, right? <laughs> that's right, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's, exactly. Too that's too funny. Hey, tell me this, uh, you've got, I mean, look, one of my all-time favorite uh, broadcasters and analysts that, uh, that, that I've enjoyed watching, and, and obviously there's a generation of, of people that have enjoyed you as a, as a football player as well, being an NFL MVP, Super Bowl champion, um, I mean, so visible around the game for for so many years up to you know north of 50 years for that matter but I, the one thing that really kind of jumps out for for me out of the start and and it's and it's kind of a weird one but you know you look at back in 1985 it's been over 30 years since you suffered that in that leg injury and and i and to me it, it's 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 odd in the sense that 
you know, it's one of the defining injuries, I think, for sports fans in our lifetime where we look at, you know, you suffer a broken leg and people almost use that injury as a measuring stick compared to other injuries. And I mean, you've, you've got so much accomplished and so many, you know, things to celebrate. How many times does that come up still? I mean, here I am being ridiculous enough to ask you about it as well. But, you know, to hear about you, didn't you said it didn't even have pain when it suffered. But how often does that come up to this day? Well, first of all, the pain often, um, you know, because parents will tell their kids about the injury. And um, I did have pain. I mean, the pain was incredible in, in instantly. But then all of a sudden, the, the, from the knee down, my leg was like completely numb. Uh, when they moved me off the field to, to put me in the gurney, in the hospital gurney, uh, and um, when, I got to the, when I got to the hospital, uh, they moved me from the ambulance gurney to the hospital gurney, and they forgot to pick up the lower right part of my leg. So I'm laying there, and they pick me up, and all of a sudden, my right leg just drops down. Oh. And I looked at it, and I said to one of the attendants, I said, can, you, can somebody just get the rest of me, please? <laughs> and they literally lifted it up. <laughs> they lifted it up and, and moved me over to the other stretcher and then took me in and uh, they started working on it. I mean, there's a whole story around the injury itself, but I, I do believe that it really changed um, the way they present injuries today. Um, I remember listening to the telecast. I've actually only seen the, the whole thing once. That was uh, on the 20th anniversary, about mm, 15, about 10 11, 10, 11 years ago, I guess mm. it was, because it's been 31 years now, um, which I can't believe. Yeah. Uh, and God, you know, God's blessed me the ability to be able to do everything, uh, to be able to to be actively involved, because I've known guys that have had, a guy by the name of Nick Perry had the same kind of an injury and wound up losing the lower part of his leg because of infection. And that's the biggest concern when you have an open compound fracture like I did is, you know, to get the infection. It's like when we played in the Montreal Autostat. Um, you know, I wound up with a, uh, you know, a viral infection in the mouth because, you know, the night before, the day before, they had horses and cows and everything else running around in there, and uh, it was a muddy day at the auto stat up in Montreal. But for me, it was, um, it was a very defining moment in my life, and it's the thing that people often remember. And the NFL, if something happens now in, in any sport, they sort of go to commercial. Instead of staying with the injury, they go to commercial, sort of assess what's going on, and then they assess if they want to show it or not. And they're very reluctant to show those kind of injuries, which I think is very good. But you're right. I mean, when Paul George, the uh, Indiana Pacer, broke his leg, when Kevin Ware, the kid from Louisville, broke his leg, um, I get the phone calls. And, you know, the physical part of it is, is just a rehabilitation process. The mental part is, can I do the things that I did before? And, and that's what I try and help guys with and you know i'm not only not only that not only athletes but i've i there was a doctor i talked to for a couple years uh who had broken his leg skiing and he knew about my injury contacted me through my office and we had we maintained a conversation as he went through the rehabilitation process mike mariani played uh kick returner for the tennessee titans mm -hmm. was another one that i've stayed in touch with so you know i i I've been blessed to be able to re rehabilitate to a point where I can do darn near anything in my life, and I just want people to be able to, to enjoy their lives and, and know that there is another side if something does happen. Is, is it a badge of honor, or do you just say, stop talking about me in this, okay? 
No, you know, it's it's sort of a. I look at it as uh, you know, I was like the, one of the first guys, and yeah. so you know, normally you go back to one of the first events, and people want to know. You know, we're in a day and an age where information is so important, and with the social media that exists everywhere, and information sources, nothing's private anymore. No. Our lives, you fight to keep your life private nowadays. I mean, everywhere you go, I mean, it's it's TMZ, it's TMZ Sports, it's you know somebody with a cell phone taking pictures, somebody with a cell phone recording what you say. I mean, I tell guys all the time: be careful when you're out in public. You are not a private person. Oh, I want to live my life. I don't want to be bothered by all that stuff. You may take that approach, but I'm telling you, partner, it isn't going to work that way. That's not the way society is. See, I, I'm I'm old school in a lot of ways. I'm and, and I'm proud of that. But I'm not stupid enough to not realize that there are things going on in society that are, uh, um, you know, 2017-ish. And you have to be aware of what's going on. You know, the age of computers, the age of cell phones. Mm -hmm. Be aware of what's going on around you. Totally. You know, I, I agree. And there's times I get, you know, I've got two young daughters and I think to myself sometimes, you know, oh, the webs and everybody's got camera phones and smartphones now. and. You know, that's the one thing I sometimes get nervous about where, to me, I think it was a lot easier being a teenager growing up or, you know, being a knucklehead learning at, oh, about life at times, God, even yes. from your standpoint. I mean, it's a lot easier to have fun, you know, 20 years ago compared to probably now where it's going to show up on the web somewhere if you do something, right? Exactly. And, and you know, it's really funny. I think, you know, like, for example, the thing that Antonio Brown did filming in oh. the locker room while Coach Tomlin, okay, which which was totally wrong. Yes. The, it, first of all, there's a rule against it that you can't do it in the National Football League. But secondly, I thought the sanctity of a locker room is one of the few places I think players can feel, before the media gets in, they feel like they have their own place to to be able to exist mm -hmm. in a private world. And all of a sudden, that was betrayed. And, and that was the problem. But it, it is. I go back to you know the Redskins I played with, uh, the Giants, the 49ers, uh, the Oakland Raiders back in the, in the late 80s, early, late 70s and early 80s. If social media existed, and I think of the Argonaut team I played on, if social media existed, are you kidding me? Um, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I there's no telling. There's no telling where some of us would be. We could be, you know, half of us probably be in jail for crying out loud. I mean, or, or you're defined differently, right? Or you're, or you're known totally for something completely different. different. Oh, you're the guy who did this online, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing that video of you. You yeah. and you know, uh, there's about eight hundred thousand people. <laughs> By the way, I think that's how many hits on Facebook Antonio Brown got. Yeah. I mean, it's just people. People want to know. They want to go inside. the the, the the trap door you know they want to go to the do not enter areas mm -hmm. and if you let them in you know they're all excited but there's also a, a i think a line that you have to draw that you know like bob you know what was it um the uh jimmy young used to play for the vancouver <laughs> british columbia lions mm -hmm. so he, he was a total nutcase too i mean <laughs> i can i can run down guys in the cfl that i i know were it would have been a different world had social media existed. Oh, trust me. I, I can I can only imagine. You know, you've been you've been defined as kind of the, an NFL guru for the better part of the last forty plus years. But you know, obviously, the CFL is now more and more accessible to watch, especially south of the border and, and through digital media more than ever. Uh, do you still do you still do you still follow the game much up here? Absolutely, very near and dear in my heart. You know, and we have a uh, you know, there's a CFL Madden's uh, Legends. Uh, game available now too so 
you know, which I think you can access me on Fridays, which is sort of cool. But, yeah, I, I love the CFL. I love everything about it. My good friend Mark Tressman coached the Alouettes for to a couple championships up there, and I try and get to Toronto. I was there for the opening game this past year against Hamilton when we opened the new stadium in Toronto. Uh, as a matter of fact, in 1970, 1971, when I went to uh, the Canadian Football League, I was the commissioner's emissary to New York. We were trying to get the CFL on network television in the United States. And I would fly to the, to New York almost once a month or twice a month to sort of meet with advertisers and talk about the Canadian Football League. The Canadian Football League has always been very near and dear to my heart. And I, I don't want to see you know, as much expansion as is existing in, uh, in the National Football League now with two teams in Los Angeles, which is another story unto itself. Um, I want Canadian football to be preserved in its purest form. You know, I thought this year, I thought the last two Grey Cups were incredible. Yeah. Just incredible football games. Um, you watch a game sometimes and you say, darn, I, I don't want either one of these teams to lose. You know, you had the, you had the upstarts coming from nowhere. Um, with Ottawa. And, and all yeah. of a sudden, yeah, at Ottawa, and then you had the, the guys that seemed to win it all the time in Calgary, and mm-hmm. it's like, holy mackerel, um, that shouldn't have been what it was, but it was. And That's I'm, why they I'm play the game, Henry right? Burris. I'm yeah. thrilled for Henry Burris. You know, Henry Burris is the Canadian League's uh, answer to Tom Brady in the NFL. He played to go 40. Keep going. You know, George Blanda played till he was 48. I looked this up the other day. He he kicked and quarterbacked at the age of 48. So, uh, and I had a chance to visit with Tom Brady last year at Super Bowl 50 in San Francisco. Which, by the way, he hates being a spectator at those things. Absolutely hates. <laughs> I bet. He just he, oh, he does. It just he's. he's very uncomfortable in that environment. Much more comfortable in a uniform and practicing. And, um, you know, I asked him how long he's going to continue to play. And I said, you're going to play a couple more years? He said, ah, four or five. And he will. God willing, he stays healthy, he will. Because his arm is certainly good enough. And gosh, he runs an offense so well. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. I, I want I want to get to your perspective on Tom Brady here in just a moment as, as we lead into Super Bowl week. But, you know, you, you mentioned uh, that you you are one of the unlockable CFL legends in the Madden mobile game. So what's that like to have a whole new generation of CFL fans kind of finding out, or and even NFL fans for that matter, having an opportunity to, to, disco- to discover you if they can actually play well enough to unlock you in the game there, Joe? Well, that's the big key. I mean, you, you've got to earn the right to be able to play me. And, ah. so, and believe me, the way the way these the way young people play these games today, piece of cake for them. I mean, you know, in a heartbeat. But it's it's um, it's exciting because what you have done for so many years ago is preserved for time. And um, you know, I'll get people come up to me and say, uh, "You had a really good game the other day." I said, well, "What do you mean?" Well, I'm playing you. <laughs> I'm going, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> How did I do? You really played well. I was surprised. I said, well, don't be surprised. I mean, I had a decent career up there, and it was fun. Do you have any say on your rate, on your rating or ranking where, you know, it's it's a polarizing thing when, when guys are in the Madden game now where I, there's stories of, of guys calling the developers and the producers of the game saying, I'm faster than this. I, I should be, you know, at least an 85 for speed or strength or, or whatever it may be. Did, did you haggle at all about your ranking? Just the fact that I'm there, I'm thrilled. You oh, reach a certain okay. point in your life. You reach a certain point in your life where rankings don't matter. 
existence <laughs> is the most important thing, and I'm existing in it, so that's okay. Uh, it's like my my grand. It's like my uh, my grandmother, who's 94, says to me, she's like, I'm still on the right side of the flowers, right? So that's it. That's it. I'm on the right side of the dirt. That's all that matters. You know what? I woke up this morning. You and I are having a conversation. It's a good day. There you go. There you go. Hey, that's half the battle right there. Um, is it is it true that Leo Cahill, who helped bring you up here to Canada for, for your three years in the Canadian Football League with the Argos, was a borderline stalker trying to sign you? <laughs> no, actually, he, it, no, really, you know, it's almost uh, the other way around. And Leo just doesn't get enough credit uh, in the history and annals of the CFL, in my mind. That, eight, that 71 team that we had was, you know, Leon McQuay, Charlie Bray, uh, Marv Luster, uh, Mel Prophet, Paul Desjardins. You know, people don't realize Paul Desjardins and Mike Eben. Paul was our center. Mike was a wide receiver. Paul was a PhD in biochemistry. Mike was a PhD in Germanic languages. Wow. I mean, we we were. I was a. Of course, that made up for most of the intelligence on the team, to be honest with you. But uh, from a, an intelligence scale. But truthfully, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, Leon and. Um, Flea Allen I played with, all the guys that I had a chance to play. I can name as many guys from my from my CFL career as I can with the guys I played with in the NFL. I just I appreciated the, the opportunity. But Leo Leo was tireless when it came to recruiting guys and we had fun. I mean it was a today it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You could go out and have a good time and Greg Barton, who was the other quarterback and I used to get to the C N E early because as a matter of fact, I, I forced Greg uh, to go with me because we didn't practice till after five because all the guys had jobs. So you know, all most of the guys had jobs except Greg and I. So we'd go to the park early and go over and play the games, and I'd feed him hot dogs, and I made him put on twenty pounds. That's how I beat him out. Um, <laughs> I made him, I made him heavier and slower, and uh, but I, I, I loved it. And Leo, so. The way I wound up being an Argonaut, which is an interesting, it seems like every aspect of my life has an interesting story to it. Um, I'm, I'm drafted by the Miami Dolphins and, and the and Toronto Argonauts to play in the CFL, and the Dolphins in the NFL. Well, I fly down to Miami, and I meet with Mr. Joe Robbie, because Joe Thomas, who was the general manager, was actually in the hospital having heart surgery. So I met with the owner. And I sat down with Mr. Robbie. He said, what do you want? And I said, I want 35, 45, you'll love these numbers today. 35, 45, and $55,000. I want a $35,000 signing bonus. He says, well, and now keep in mind, I'm a fourth round pick. He said, those numbers are reserved normally for guys that are drafted higher, but you got it. I said, great. So now I go on television, come heck or high water, I'm going to be a Miami Dolphin. Well, when they sent me the contract, they broke the bonus down into 12, 12, and 11, which I wanted to over the three years for tax purposes. But they also had me paying back if I didn't show up, which I thought the bonus was, should have been unrelated to me showing up or not. So we haggled for a while. In that time, Leo called, said, how's it going? I said, not well. And so we started conversation, and he was off on a vacation. He was going from Toronto to Florida, you know, and I'd catch, I'd catch him outside of New York City, or I'd catch him outside of North Carolina. Now, did you know I'd much about Canada? Say, did you know much about Canada? Had you ever spent no. any time up there? No, no, okay. didn't know anything about Canada. I, I knew I knew Toronto was a big city. Yeah, um, you know when, and uh, matter of fact, two of my three children were born in Toronto General uh, okay. when I was up there. But anyway, so Leo, so finally I get disillusioned with the whole process because I didn't have an agent. I tried to do it myself. I thought, hey, oh. I'm a Notre Dame guy; I can do it myself. <laughs> big mistake, <laughs> huge mistake. 
so it was for me not you know not to go to Miami because that time remember 71 72 73 Miami's going to the Super Bowl winning Super Bowls the 72 undefeated team is a part of that um so I finally wind up flying up to Toronto and a gentleman by the name of Herb Solway was the attorney we met at Herb's house I met with Mr. John Bassett who owned the team and Leo and John said look this is the end of this romance you either sign this contract tonight before you leave Canada or else it's off the table. I signed, and I said, Mr. Bassett, please do me a favor. Allow me to call Coach Shula and tell him what I've done. Well, John Bassett owned, I think, television, newspaper, radio outlets. Instant I signed, it was all over the place. I, I get back to South Bend, Indiana. I get a phone call at 6 a.m. from Eric Parsigian. What in heaven's name have you done? I said, I signed with the Argonauts. He says, I know. I just got off the phone with Shula, and he's on his way up here. And so Coach Shula flew up to South Bend and absolutely read me the riot act and uh, said all these things that, you know, but they were, they finally relented on the contract. And, but I, I was disillusioned with the process. And that's why I recommend to anybody, don't let your emotions get involved. Hire a professional. If it costs a percentage, a minimal percentage of what you're doing, it's worth it in the long run because you don't get to be the bad guy. And I do, and you know, I have very few, few regrets in life. And the one is I never got a chance to play for Coach Shula. Um, I admire him tremendously. And ironically, after 1971, it was 1982. Who do we wind up playing in the Super Bowl and beating? The Miami Dolphins. <laughs> he hated me for 10 years. Oh, I guaranteed bet. another 10, I think, after that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but on the bright side of all of this, this is how you became a, an honorary Canadian here. So Yes, we'll I was. It. Very proud. Love the love the city of Toronto. Loved loved every city: Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, you know, Calgary, Winnipeg. I still go out and do speeches uh, all over all over Canada. Vancouver is one of my favorite cities in the world. It's just so beautiful out there. Um, it really allowed me to live out of the country for three years and and learn um, just a different culture. And it was you know at a time you got to remember the Vietnam War was just ending in yeah. the late seven, early seventies. So. It was a time socially when things were very, very different. You know, I'll never forget Gene Mack used to dress, um, you know, like Superfly. I mean, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> kids will have to, now those kids that are listening to this one are going to have to look up Superfly on the internet, which is fine. That's why it's here. That's funny. Yeah, the, the hat, the fur coat, and all of it, right? Oh, the hat, the fur coat. <laughs> we all had hats and fur coats. Sure. I mean, it was, you know, Billy Simon. I mean, I, like I say, Mike Eben, uh, you know, Tony Renault, uh, Tony uh, Morrow. Uh, Tony's a very, very successful uh, uh, construction guy. He has cranes. All see him all over a lot of the cities uh, up in Canada. It was a lot easier it's, to pull pull off a fur coat forty five years ago. With the the animal rights groups weren't necessarily coming after you quite like they would now. Saying, "What are you wearing now?" Right? Oh, I did. You know, I when I was in broadcasting, I did it too. I had a big, um, I had a big coyote, I had a big coyote coat. Of course, you did. Um, <laughs> I was into all that stuff. I was into all that stuff when I was, you know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be Joe Namath of the North. Hey, it's Joey uh, Joe Thiesman from Jersey in his coyote up. coat, right? That's right. Yeah, Jersey kid. Um, hey, listen, I, let, let's get into here for uh, it's Super Bowl week upon us, and uh, you got the Patriots and the Falcons. Who do you like? I like New England in this. Yeah. Um, I, I think the defensively, no one has talked about how good the New England Patriots were are, are defensively. I think they've improved that area. They're big up front. Um, Malcolm Butler and, and McCourty and the guys in the secondary have been there enough to know what's going on. Um, and Coach Belichick's the best that ever, the, the greatest that ever coached the game. 
I mean, he just takes he takes what you have and makes it better. I mean, you know, he brings people in, he fits them in, and they work. And I, I always think back to to Randy Moss when he was had his a tough go in in uh, in Oakland, hurt his leg and everything. Everybody thought he was washed up. He went to New England and caught twenty three touchdown passes at a time when everybody thought he was finished and done. You know, Bill's always had the ability to be able to, to identify people that he thinks can help them, even for a year. And, uh, and of course, you have Tom in the middle. I, I think defensively, um, it's going to be it's going to be an opportunity for New England to win their fifth. It'll be Tom's seventh, which is just beyond belief to me that you could go to seven. There's there, you know probably eighty five, eighty percent, maybe uh, maybe eighty percent of the Hall of Fame guys uh, in the in the NFL haven't really necessarily won a Super Bowl. And uh, there's only been 31 of us that actually have won. And it's, you know, I don't love, gosh, thinking of, of championships. I know we're talking about Super Bowls, but, but that great cup we lost to Calgary out in Vancouver at, at Old Empire Stadium, just, it would have been so nice to, you know, I, we, I finished second. Um, we, we lost that game to Calgary. I finished second in the Heisman Trophy. Had an opportunity. I finished second in the Super Bowl. We lost the second one. Um, you know, people say you grow from experiences when you don't necessarily get what you want. That's true, but darn, it hurts. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's a pain. It's a painful step going forward. But you learn. You learn more about yourself and about life from things that don't quite go the way you want them to. Because everything goes great, you don't know what the other side of life is. Yeah, no question. But I, I and I think Tom, like I said, having spent time with Tom last year, he was bound and determined to be back. Yeah. You know, so so let me ask the great uh, football debate. It seems these days, Tom Brady or Joe Montana, who's, who's your quarterback with the fate of the world on the line? For for years, it was it was Joe. Um, I I just feel like Tom's the greatest that ever played the game. I've been saying it now for the last three or four years. He doesn't need this Super Bowl to be considered the greatest of all time. I think his his record has stood the test of time. Um, he is the one constant with so many changes that have gone on around him. He played longer than Joe. And look where he is at, what, 39 years old? Um, he's back in a championship. I mean, it's what, seven, con- seven consecutive AFC cha- uh, um, division championships? I mean, it's just the records go on and on and on and on. And, you know, the games were... You know, where he had to put a drive together to make it happen. I mean, it's a heck of a debate between Joe and Tom. Um, and Joe being a Notre Dame guy and an old close friend, uh, it's, you know, you, but you have to look at this thing, I think, in it, its total nature. And when you really break it down, there wasn't anybody like Tom. I mean, there really hasn't been. Yeah. Nor will there ever be. You're, uh, you, you describe yourself as being an old-school guy, and yet at the same time, uh, you, you have some involvement with, with, with mobile apps nowadays. What, do you, what, are you, what are you up to these days, Joe? I just I Actually, I'm, I'm doing a uh, – interestingly enough, I'm, I have a chance to do a presentation today on a, for a company called Click. Uh, like I said, it's going to be broadcast out of Flemings in North America, and it's, uh, they're a data analytics company. And um, I – I do Redskin preseason. I stay around the game of football. Um, I dabble in real estate. I dabble in equities. Um, you know, I continue to try and become more and more computer literate. I think uh, you have to know what's going on. It's it's easy access and information. I mean, I 
it's it's like just the just the map. I travel so much. I'm out about 250 days a year on presentations, and and so for me, you know, having a phone that can tell me where I get to go is so much easier than looking at old MapQuest and trying to read it in the dark with glasses on because I'm at that stage of my life. I can't see without them. Um, so you know, to me, the the apps are they're fun. To be able to play, uh, you know, like I say, the, the Madden CFL games are fun. To be be somebody else, which is sort of neat at times, something you couldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, picture yourself as a wide receiver or, you know, different guys that, you know, you knew growing up. I knew growing, growing up. Um, I'm not a big gamer when it comes to all of that stuff, but I use the, the world of computers and apps to, uh, to really get me through the, the day. Hey, I just want to say thanks so much for doing this and really appreciate you taking the time to, to do this interview. And, and at the same time, I think on behalf of every CFL fan and any CFL observer, thanks for waving the flag for you know the Canadian Football League for so many years. And despite all your success, it would have been easy to probably forget about it in some respects. But but thanks for continuing to always wave the Canadian Football League flag after after all these years, Joe. You'll never have to worry about that with me. Like I said, I owe so much to the Canadian Football League, so much to Leo Cahill, uh, the city of Toronto. I mean, you know, there there was Broadway Joe and then there was Bay Street Joe, uh, which was sort of a flattering uh, moniker to have when, when I had a chance to play up there. James, I appreciate it so much. Thanks for uh, giving me a chance to visit with you. Hey, appreciate Joey Thiesman from Jersey, right? <laughs> yes, sir. 